There's only one nation, Raider Nation. You're listening to Silver and Black tonight on the Mightier 1090. All right, welcome back, Raider Nation. It has been a tough week for all of you, but that's okay because we are here. We are here to talk about it all, the ugliness, the future, what can happen, what has happened, and maybe what should happen. You are on Silver and Black tonight, Southern California's only All Raiders talk show here on the home of local sports talk in Southern California. That, of course, the Mightier 1090. I am Scott Cobranson, joined by my partner, Mo Moten. He is a national NFL writer for Bleacher Report, and we are here to go through this all. And, Mo, it's still hard. to. St- here we are on Friday. This all went down Monday. Uh, Monday night football was on, and suddenly John Gruden stepping down after the New York Times explosive piece on more emails with anti-gay slurs, with with sexist slurs, and all these other things that we found out on Monday, it's still hard to wrap my head around it, Mo. What about you? Really quick. I just want to talk to Raiders fans really quick, top of the show. Just have a seat on Mo's couch, Mo's (laughs) therapy couch. I got you, okay? I know there's a lot going on. You don't know what the future's like. What what are you going to be about, you know, how the Raiders are going to look against the Broncos. Just... Lay on the couch and let Mo talk to you really quick. Just understand this. The season is not over. Three and two. You still got, what, 12 games left. So we're not closing the book on the season. I think Mayock talked about this in his presser on Wednesday that they still have a lot of football left to play. They still have a lot of talent in that locker room. Rich Bisaccia, I think, hit hit a home run out of the park with his first uh, press conference as an interim head coach. So, I think this team will fight. I'm not saying they're going to win the game against Denver, but I, I don't think you're going to see this team go into the tank for the remainder of the season. Yeah, and that I, I agree with you. I think it, it just becomes, uh, you know, how much has, has this worn on them? How much is it mentally there? You know, everyone kind of uh, decried me when I said on Sunday, when I opened up the question during the first half last week, saying that this team looks distracted. You can say it's not the emails. I had really great friends of the show that were texting me saying, oh, please don't tell me you're saying this too. It has nothing to do with it. These guys are professional. But as we come to find out, there was more going on than we knew about. And that's where I want to start, Mo, because listen, everyone understands John Gruden, the sin here. As Derek Carr said, he loves the man, hates the sin. If we look at the sin of what John Gruden did, what was captured in these emails, forget the investigation. We'll get to that in a minute. But All of this that happened and transpired, John Gruden is responsible for. So the punishment that comes to him, losing his job, perhaps losing his career, that's on him. He made those statements. At the same time, the reaction to this and the resignation and how it went about, uh, to me, is really the interesting story here, Mo, because... It's not a story that's complete. We don't know all this. How did the Washington football team have a toxic, sexist organization, 650,000 emails, and out of all of those, only John Gruden, who wasn't coaching in the league at the time, who was at ESPN, and then now doesn't have anything to do with the organization, and we know how the emails got to Dennis Allen, we get it. But Mo, I'm just having trouble understanding how this all came out. Uh, and yet John Gruden's the only one tarnished by it when you got to figure there's other people involved. 
Oh, yeah, obviously. we Look, we all know John Green is not the only coach or person in the NFL who speaks like this. We understand that. But I think getting to the point of this is if you're out there sending this through emails and it gets revealed, however it gets revealed, mm -hmm. right or wrong, right and wrong, we all know right and wrong. And John Green was wrong in this case. And you, you cannot expect to keep your job if you're going to talk about things that the NFL is pushing for, women being referees, you know, mm -hmm. guys protesting the anthem, and, and you got players in that locker room who probably also protested the anthem or or supported those who did. Uh, calling the commissioner the p word. Uh, go to your go to your company, go to your job, and call someone high ranking in your company the p word and see what happens to your job status. <laughs> I'm just saying, yeah. you know, and talking about uh, you know talking about queers and they shouldn't be in the league, and you have an openly gay player on your roster. Carl Nassib obviously mm -hmm. took, took a day off, and he has to gather himself. So. It, to me, it was just too much damage to withstand. And I think it's pretty interesting that, you know, he didn't step down after the first trove of emails. And then as New York Times came out with their extra additional materials, then he had no choice but to step down. Right. And and that's the thing. I'm not going to devote. We're going to talk, uh, by the way, on the show tonight. <laughs> let me get to the guest. On the show tonight, uh, of course, Sam and Ash are going to come with, does John Gruden have a legal case against the NFL? I'll tell you why later. We're going to talk to Sam and Ash about that. A really interesting uh, conversation we're going to have with the with my two attorneys um, from SamandAshLaw.com. Uh, but also... We're going to talk to Michael Lombardi next segment, and we'll talk more specifically about John Gruden. So I'm going to leave that for that segment. And here, Mo, I want to talk about what two things. One is what you just said, which is suddenly you have this situation in the NFL where, yes, of course, he's not the only coach who's, who's said things like this and, and, and had language. I mean, we've been around locker rooms. We sometimes hear these things that happen. They're not right. They're not they're not they're not tolerable anymore in today's society, but yet they're still happening. So there is an issue in the NFL with that. Uh, but again, the NFL, how did, so they leak these emails. Somebody leaks these emails out, right? The, the, the big allegation right now out there is that the NFL did this. The NFL did this uh, for various reasons, which we're actually going to talk about on our Sunday show in Las Vegas. So don't miss, don't miss silver and black today, game day on 98 to five fan in Las Vegas Sunday morning. But, um, you look at the situation and you look at what happened and it's all very strange. Mark Davis had all of the emails, by the way, as we know now, this is why Mark Davis needs to come out and talk to people. Um, we'll get to that in a second. He had all these emails Friday, but yet he still let John Gruden coach on Sunday. So then whoever was leaking the emails, Mo, and I really believe this is what happened, said, okay, all right, you're not going to do anything about it. Now we're going to dump more emails. Yeah. You're, I agree with you there and you hit the nail on the head. Now, Mark Davis, remember remember the statement that the Raiders put out on on their social media Twitter account mm -hmm. saying that they're reviewing the email plus other materials. Yes, I'm guessing the the, the additional New York Times uh, emails that that were revealed were the other materials that Mark Davis had to review and make a decision on. Now, I listened to Adam Schefter and he's basically said that the league wasn't going to punish John Gruden, but the league was waiting for the Raiders to discipline him in-house basically mark davis had to come down and, and levy a, a discipline and he did it and he wound up grooting wound up coaching that bears game and the nfl probably looked at this like okay as you said they're not oh you're not going to discipline a guy after we put this out there so we we've got more cards to show we're going to flip over <laughs> a few more cards right if we want to play poker we could play poker and and that's what happened and i think at, as i said earlier in the show after those additional emails came out about women, you know, about what he said about the commissioner, about queers, then you have to then you have to take action. And 
And again, that's that's exactly what happened. Yeah, and and to me that that exactly, and that's what happened. And and they they forced his hand. That's why Mark Davis. And this is where I'm going to go on a little bit the tirade because I've been I've been online saying this, uh, and people uh-oh. are arguing with me, which is Mark Davis has shown absolutely no leadership throughout this, other than firing John Gruden, which he had to do. And I know, listen, I feel for him because they're close, and I get it. Now, if Scott, it, before you go in your tire, Scott, remember John Gruden and Mark Davis. They, Parted ways. Parted ways. Parted ways. Yeah, exactly. They parted ways. Uh, but but here's the thing, and I and I keep arguing this. When you are the leader of an organization, and John Gruden was the leader of the Raiders, right? But he gets fired. So now the owner, if even if you're a behind the scenes owner and you don't want all the limelight and all that, and and you're like Mark Davis who delegates and lets his football people run the team, which is totally fine. There's nothing wrong with that model. But when things go off the rail, I don't care if you own a plumbing company, you own a journalism company, you own a football team, you have to step out and you have to lead not only for yourself and for your organization and your brand, but Mo, for your players, for your coaches, you need to take the heat off of them so they can focus. This isn't the off season. This is during the season. You have men who are going out and battling and bleeding for the silver and black. Meanwhile, you're putting out one sentence statements that that don't do anything. And and it shows a level of cowardice. I really believe that as a leader, you have to when things are going well, you put your people out front. When things are bad, you step out front and take off the pressure. Where am I wrong? Yeah, you're not wrong about that. And we talked about this off air. And a lot of I think a lot of fans and a lot of people who say that Mark Davis doesn't have to talk have this misconstrued a little bit because they feel like, oh, he he doesn't have to talk to the media. The media being a bunch of babies, they want him to talk. And it's not about the media. I want to say it's not about the media. It's not about guys like you and me talking into a mic to you guys and gals out there. It's about his players, and you touched on it. If Mark Davis comes out to the media and basically speaks – and gives his side of the story, then the players don't have to answer questions that would have been directed to him. So you allow the players to focus on the football game that they have to play on Sunday so they don't have to answer these questions that were should be directed at you, the owner of the organization. Absolutely. And to me, that was, I mean, Mike Mayock did a wonderful job uh, on, right. on Wednesday, right? Dealing with it the first time he came out there. But a lot of what he had to answer to, he shouldn't have answered to. And I, I know it's hard. It's conjecture. It's, it's, it's going back whataboutism, and I get that. But I'm telling you, if Al Davis was alive, okay, and I know Mark Davis isn't Al Davis, and I'm not trying to say he needs to be. But if Al Davis was alive, I really believe that within two hours after firing John Gruden, he would have been sitting in front of the press because he knew he had to get out. He, he owed it to Raider Nation, to fans, to the players especially and the coaches to go out, take the heat, answer the questions so that when they come out to the podium, they can talk football. Right. And and the other thing about this is I know some fans are not are not turned off by John Gruden's comments. There are actually people who are out there defending John Gruden, which is a different story. <laughs> but there are some fans who who are looking at this and thinking, I need to hear from from the leader of this organization. I need to hear from his words, not just a one sentence statement. I need to hear from Mark Davis, how he feels about the situation. Right. Again, it's not, it's not all about you. It's not all about the media. It's about how the people who are affected, how they feel because Raider nation is, is widespread. There are people who are turned off. There are people who, who just say, okay, I, I can let this go and just cheer for my football team. But for the people who are turned off by this, 
Mark Davis would be speaking to them. Mark Davis has a chance to use the media. I know the yes. media these days is viewed as an, as the enemy. Mark Davis has a chance to use the media to put his message out there, whatever it is. If he's upset about the NFL and the other 650,000 emails, he should get up into the party right. and say something about it. Make your case, right? And some people right. are, well, maybe there's legal action. Well, maybe there is legal stuff, but hey, say I can't say something because I'm, I'm, think, I'm thinking of taking legal action. All right, now we're going to switch gears and we're going to get legal on the John Gruden situation as I welcome back my attorneys sam and ash whether you're in california or nevada if you're in a crash call sam and ash at 1-800-304-2000 they care they help you win because you deserve what's right again that's 1-800-304-2000 or sam and ashlaw.com and guys obviously as you heard before mo and i talking about this John Gruden situation, which has taken over the whole Raider nation. Uh, and we'd love to talk about football, but we're instead talking about the situation that happened with John Gruden. And I want to shift gears with you guys and talk about the legal ramifications of this because yes, John Gruden resigned. So maybe there's no legal situation there between him and the Raiders, but these emails that were leaked first, they were leaked to the wall street journal. Then Mark Davis, as we discussed earlier, had all of the other emails that were then reported by the New York Times on Monday, which led to the resignation. Those emails were leaked. They were part of an investigation by the NFL of the Washington football team. These emails being leaked um, from a legal perspective, might John Gruden have some sort of case or uh, ability to go after if they can find out who leaked these emails? Short answer, yes. Mm-hmm. And Ashley's talked about this uh, to me, uh, and we've, we've discussed it a number of times. I think, you know, you're absolutely right, Ashley, that it has to do with if he was targeted. Mm. So if, if, you know, if there were other people whose emails w- were also offensive, but those did not get leaked, then I think he's got a pretty good uh, case for being, uh, being singled out. Yeah, and one of the things that's kind of floating around right now is that the NFL actually is benefiting by this because they wanted to keep whoever the, is in power of the NFL Players Association now, that somehow this leak was keeping him in power mm-hmm. as the leader, and it's someone that the NFL sees that they can work with. And so if the NFL leaked these emails or someone within the organization leaked the emails for a benefit or a gain of their own, then that's an absolute problem and i think gruden would have some type of recourse against them well and that's the question you know that's what i said earlier too was that listen this is not in any way saying that john gruden was right in what he said with some of these comments that he made you know i'm less concerned with him calling certain people names that weren't racially tinged or weren't misogynistically viewed or any of that kind of stuff but when it comes to Uh, The harm that was done to him, he lost his job and probably lost his career for good now because of what happened. Uh, That piece of it, the damages that he, I mean, remember, he's in the fourth year of a $100 million contract. So you're talking about $60 million. Is that something, is is the the onus is going to be then if if John Gruden were to take legal action against the NFL or whoever deemed, they deemed leaked these emails, um, how much, what's the burden of proof there? I mean, they're going to have to come up with something that is definitive, correct? 
Well, yeah, he's going to have to prove that he was he was targeted and he was treated differently than anyone else. So that's why right now the push to uncover the conclusion of the greater investigation into the Washington football team is going forward. And now there's a demand for them to release the other 650,000 <laughs> emails that were combed through. And so if going through that, if that information is turned over, which there's a lot of pressure right now for it to come forward because... I think, like anyone, I'm skeptical that out of that number of emails, the only person who said something vulgar, crass, or offensive was John Gruden. Yeah, I don't buy it. He's so- the only football guy in his 50s talking <laughs> like that, for sure. Right. I just and, don't believe it. Right. And I was told uh, in my corporate career, I had once had a, 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 an in-house attorney tell me, he said, Scott, do you know what email stands for? And I said, yeah, electronic mail. And he said, no, evidence mail. Right. And I think there's a lesson here. <laughs> now, I'm not saying there's people out there and say, say, hey, don't make, uh, you know, sexist comments via email. But in general, this is a good lesson for people, too, that you don't put any sensitive information, even if it's not offensive. It could be business related. It could be personal related. Is this a good lesson, guys? for people that if you're going to communicate something that should remain private, you don't want to do it via email ever. Right. I mean, if you're going to say something that you don't want to ever have to own up to later, of course, you don't put it in writing. But two, the important, the real lesson here is that John Gruden is in the position that he is in or is out of the position he was in um, simply because he sent these emails to someone at their business's email Mm. address. You know, if he had sent this to, I think it was Bruce Allen, if he sent it to his personal email address, we would have never been here. Right. right. The NFL was, wasn't entitled to go through Bruce Allen's personal email. And so here's a problem. I mean, that's the big issue. And so if you're out there and you're sending, you know, potentially offensive or, you know, vulgar emails across company accounts, whether it's your own or your your buddies on the other end, that's potentially going to come to come to surface if anything goes haywire. Yeah. And it's it's unfortunate. I mean, obviously, uh, lots of people were upset about it for for various reasons. And then, of course, to me and I know you guys, you love the Raiders, their presence in Las Vegas. This really, Sam, I mean, it just hurts. Raider Nation overall, because now the focus is no longer on football and their new home in Las Vegas and the fact that fans can go to the stadium. Now it's on something so ugly as this situation. I think there's, yeah, there's no win coming out of this. You know, I have, you know, I I think obviously, you know, Mark Davis was put in a bad position here. Mm -hmm. Uh, He did not have a lot of options. But all of that said, I, I do feel a little bit like the NFL's if they did leak these emails, like they're picking on us, you mm-hmm. know, they're yeah. picking on the Raiders and they're picking on Vegas and they, you know, I, I don't like it. And I just am, I'm, I'm a little upset about it. So that's, um, that's where I'm at with it. Yeah. And I think you, you echo a lot of the comments I've seen from Raiders fans who feel the same way. And that's why I've actually been sharing clips and sayings from the Godfather movie, because I, a lot of people talk about the NFL as being, <laughs> see that. being a little bit of a mafia, right. And that you could do this or protecting certain people, i.e. coaches perhaps, and, uh, and maybe the owner of the Washington football team, Dan Snyder, but not a coach. All right. Well, there you go uh my go-to legal team sam and ash um it's so easy to remember if you're in a crash call sam and ash 1-800-304-2000 or salmonashlaw.com guys thanks as always we'll talk to you next week you bet thank you so much scott Scott. bye bye all right there you go mo so if john gruden does find some evidence that uh that uh the nfl targeted him he could go after him that's that's pretty fascinating it is and i think he might have a case yet because as i said 
beginning of the show, we all know John Gruden isn't the only person in the NFL who talks like this. You're right. All right. We're going to step aside for our break. When we come back, Michael Lombardi will be with us. He'll talk about John Gruden, his self-destruction, and why he saw it coming. You're listening to Silver and Black today, only here on the Mightier 1090. We will be right back with Silver and Black tonight on the Mightier 1090 SoCal Sports Talk. Michael Branson here from Silver and Black tonight, Mightier 1090. Are you on your way to have a fun time in Las Vegas? Well, if for some crazy reason you get injured in either California or Nevada, what happens in Vegas doesn't need to stay in Vegas. Sam and Ash Injury Lawyers are the people's attorneys and experts in both states. People, choose the right lawyer. Sam and Ash have an impeccable track record, huge wins for accident victims, and always take your case all the way, even across state lines. They care. They help you win. The ones to trust have hurt in any sort of accident. Sam and Ash Injury Law. That's 1-800-304-2000. That's 1-800-304-2000 or SamAndAshLaw.com. The Scott and Moe on Silver and Black tonight on the Mightier 1090 AM. Welcome back. Silver and Black tonight here on the Mightier 1090. SoCal's sports talk from Baja to the Canadian Rockies, from San Diego to L.A., from Carlsbad up to Clovis. Yes, in the Central Valley. We're talking Raiders football here on Silver and Black tonight. Scott Cobranson, and Mo Moten with you. And now we bring in our very special guest, Michael Lombardi. Of course, you know him uh, well from all over. He is the purveyor and part of the Daily Coach. If you don't follow at Daily underscore Coach on Twitter, you're missing out. Great leadership lessons and life lessons as well. He's also the author of the bestseller Gridiron Genius, which you must read, and the host of the GM Shuffle podcast as well as a multitude of other media end of ours. So we bring in Michael now to talk about the John Gruden situation. And Michael, you and I have been talking about Gruden for a few years now together. You've been gracious enough to come on our show many, many times. Uh, This all goes down and it's not much of a surprise based on what what Gruden said, yes, that might be a surprise in these emails, but the the leadership style, the, the challenges that he had to be successful as a coach is something that you had been talking about for years. And so this downfall of John Gruden, it's not surprising based on what we know from the past, is it? No, not really. I mean, I think the first time I met you, Scott, was when we talked about John and I, and I said that I thought he was ill-equipped to be a general manager and have complete control over any organization outside of calling the offensive plays. I mean, John has never been a head coach. He's always been the guy in charge of the offense and and the head coach and title never in terms of building a culture within the building. And I mean, I said it, I wrote about it in Gridiron Genius uh, back in 2017. The book got published in 2018. If you go to page 37, I I give the reasons why, uh, because I think the four areas of leadership, John's deficient in two of them. 
And this is not a personal vendetta against John. It's just I've been around him at two different places. I kind of watched him lead. Uh, you know, I think he's a, as good of an offensive coach as there is. He's smart. He works hard. But when it comes to player evaluation, when it comes to building a team, when it comes to culture, he was never good at those things. And when he had that opportunity in Tampa, it fell apart for him. And the reality of it is, is since the Super Bowl, where he beat us in 2002, you know, he is a 44% winning coach. That's what it is. You can't deny it. And so, you know, if you go, Raider fans don't want to hear it, but if you look at the drafts, if you look at his free agent signings, if you look at the moves he's made since he's taken over and he jettisoned Reggie McKenzie out of there, uh, they have not been good. So, Michael, in your piece, this is Momo jumping in here. In your piece, Jelly Coach, you, you talked about the mismanagement of two principles John Gruden uh, was guilty of, self and trust. I uh, just want you to explain the trust factor there because I heard Keyshawn Johnson say on ESPN, he, he talked about how Gruden would badmouth players behind their backs. And I just want to know if that's part of what you're kind of getting at, him kind of talking behind players and kind of, kind of, I guess, not disrespecting them, but taking to maybe a personal level with taking a shot at their game, maybe something of that, of that nature. Well, I mean, it was never about the players. So John's way of motivating himself, and I documented it in the book, so when I first met John, he had just come from Green Bay. He had just come from Green Bay. He was in Philadelphia. Now in Philly, we did not have a great quarterback. We had Roddy Pete, we had Ty Detmer, but we had some pretty good skill players. We had Ricky Waters, Charlie Gardner, we had Jason Dunn. Uh, we had you know a lot of guys that were could make some plays. And all John would do was complain about how he was stuck with no players. I mean, he, he talked about Chris Jones like he was never going to make a play, and the guy ended up having a, a ton of catches. And so I listened to him talk like that, and I heard him. I mean, we cut we cut a, a wide receiver who went on to have James Thrash, hmm. who went on to have a hell of a, a, a not a, I would say a good career. We cut him. We gave him ten thousand a sign after the draft, and John hated him. We cut him after after the first minicamp. And so that impatience, that wanting to coach new players all the time, I learned. I watched them. I observed them. When I get to Oakland, all I heard about was all the great players he had in Philadelphia. And that <laughs> Oakland has no players, that we have no players. You know, and, you know, they stick me with these guys and that guy. And so what I learned was John motivated himself through telling him he had no players. Well, the players hear that. Mm. The players know that. In fact, as I wrote in my book, uh, they were in a meeting with the CBS production crew and he was doing what he typically always does, complain about the players. And the guy said, the, 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 lead, the lead analyst said, John, do you realize Rich Gannon's having an MVP season? Here's the question that Raider fans have to really understand. What rookie, what young quarterback has John Gruden ever developed? Yeah. That's not, it's not happened. Well, and, and then Michael, with, with, with you saying this, with the self, with the trust and, and this kind of pattern of behavior that you viewed in a couple stops with him and working with him, um, you know, I always wondered where this, this fuel was coming from on the John Gruden didn't like Derek Carr piece, right? Because he kept using Carr. He, he didn't make a move in the first draft he had, then the second draft. And so then you start, you look back, it's so easy. It's kind of, it's kind of like the end of usual suspects, right? When you look at that cork board and now you can put piece it all together. And it seems to me that this talking about players to motivate himself, uh, that, that came into play uh, in Vegas and Oakland too, the second time around. 
No doubt. And I think that, you know, look, before he got before he resigned, he was talking about playing Mariota. Mm-hmm. He was talking about playing Mariota, not not as he was going to replace Carr with him, but he was talking about getting him in there. John is never good at being able to uh, handle the personnel. He's a really good offensive coach, but his personality won't ever allow him to do that. You know, just here's here's something that's really when when you have a leader that's divisive from within, you can't have a good culture. I mean, the Raiders, for example, John hired John hired everybody. He he hired everybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, Mike Mayock, everyone. So Mayock's running the, the the Raiders personnel department. I think is on the third floor. The coaches are on the second floor. Well, David Rosano, who's been with them since he got to Oakland, kind of works as a coach but works as a scout. He's got Rosano building a draft board on the second floor while Mayock's building a draft board on the third floor. Wow. Like, how does that work? Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's dysfunctional. This from within is yeah. what, what happens. And John only John loves to live in that world and this lack of trust. Because, you know, the, I've often said this. When I walked into Bill Belichick's office and shut the door, whatever the conversation he and I had, that was the conversation. And when I closed the door and left, whether I liked what he said or didn't like what he said, I knew what he said was the truth. Hmm. When you talk to John, you never knew what the truth was. Hmm. Wow. So, so Michael, you talked about ego, John's ego, and we all have a little bit of that self-respect for ourselves, but maybe John's is inflated, you would say. But um, would you say that that is going to, wherever he goes, even if he does coach again, wherever he goes, do you think that's ultimately still going to be his downfall? Because he's 58 years old, and chances are he's not going to change much at this age. Well, you know, I, what I wrote in Gridiron Genius, I thought, you know, the time away from football, he would change. I wrote the time away from football, he would change, and he never did. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't see how he's going to get another job in football. Yeah, no, it's it, 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 another job in football. Yeah, it's tough to see that. And then obviously uh, uh, what the things he said in these emails uh, and, and the whole story behind the emails and how they got leaked is, a, is another uh, another conversation for another day. But when you look at the situation and you look at how the, the dysfunction happening in that building, clearly with with what you described too, based on previous experiences and, of course, what sources tell you as well, is is now we see the, the fallout of what happened after all of this. And you see kind of in the organization, Mike Mayock now actually has apparently decision-making power he didn't have before. And let's face it, Michael, we talked about it many times. Mike Mayock might be a great guy. He might be able to evaluate talent, but it was always John Gruden making the calls. And then you have Mark Davis, the owner, who was so close with John Gruden, who brought him back, who now refuses to step out in public and talk about everything that transpired. This to me, and I've I've been screaming with people online all week about leadership because I'm a student of leadership, which is why, you know, I always follow the daily coach and, and in my core my own corporate career, you know, I've always said when the things, when things go bad, the leader has to step out front. When things go good, you put your folks out front. Um, the pressure on them now, the pressure on those players and on the coaches to have to answer all these questions. Is that fair too? And as Mark Davis followed his friend, John Gruden and failed in leadership. Yeah, I mean, I think John, I think Mark Davis has 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 always had a love affair with John. I think he thinks John was the reason we were successful in 2000, 2001, and ultimately in 2002. I don't think he really understood. He really understood all the uh, the reasons why we were winning. Mm. I don't think he understood it. And, you know, he loves John. And 
and I'm sure he didn't love the emails. I think just his 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 demeanor and his reaction to you know the decision uh, that had to be made is probably not something that he wanted to have ever come to this point. I mean, he didn't anticipate this happening. So um, Mark's going to have to try to regroup himself because I think this is a true, true blow to him because not only was Gruden his coach that he thought was a great, great coach, you know, he really did. You know, he looked – he never saw the, a 44% winning percentage coach since he won a Super Bowl in Tampa. He never saw that. He never saw a coach that hadn't won a playoff game since the Super Bowl win in 02. He never saw that. Yeah. So this is going to be a, a bitter pill for him to swallow as he moves forward. And I know he doesn't condone any of what John wrote about in those emails. Mm -hmm. However, I think the process of which has happened has ang angered him. Oh, sure. I'm sure. Again, we're talking to Michael Lombardi uh, about the John Gruden situation from this past week. And and Michael, the, the thing with the with the Raiders now and, and we knew this and, and I've been very uh, I've had a drumbeat on this show talking about how, look, I looked at John Gruden two ways. I looked at him as the coach, like you said, an offensive coach and offensive mind. And I looked at him as the player personnel uh, executive, which which clearly we can look at the the wasted draft picks that he made during his time there. And, and I've been consistent in saying that. So now the Raiders are stuck there. Now Mike Mayock's got to try to save his own job if he wants it. Um, but he also has to, Oh, we lost him. There you are. Uh, yeah. uh, so, 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 so he's, so he's, he's, he's got to, oops, sorry. Oops, one sorry. One second. One second. Let me, Okay, so so Michael, he's got to now pick up the pieces. Mike Mayock's got to try to pick up the pieces and maybe save his job if he wants to stay with the Raiders, of course, as the GM. And then you have the entire franchise who now finds itself upside down without a leader, um, with a coaching situation that's not going to be fixed until the offseason with players now in flux, with a quarterback you're not sure you're going to bring back, and now you have to get that quarterback to learn his sixth system since he's been there. Um, what is the state of the franchise now? I mean, they get Vegas, they get the revenue, they get all that, but now everything in the front office, the field, the president's gone, the financial staff's gone. It really is a crisis. Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's something that they need leadership. There's no doubt they need it. And I think the bigger crisis is where is this roster? Mm -hmm. You know, they've got huge decisions to make, you know, and I've been saying this for a year now. What are they going to do with Derek Carr? They're going to pay him $40 million a year? Mm -hmm. gonna, you think he's going to sign a contract for 30 He's not going to do that. You know, they had them on a really friendly contract. But where are they going? I mean, where is this team going? I mean, you know, where? What it, how good is this roster? I don't think the roster is very good. You yeah. know, I, I don't think it's better than the roster that John took over three years ago, four years ago. I mean, you look at this offensive line, which was the strength of this team at one time. It's no longer the strength. Yeah. And they moved Leatherwood into right guard. He played horrible last week. Parker, the third-round pick from 18, He's never played well. Mm -hmm. You know, they signed Andre James to an extension. I don't know if he's a good enough player. I mean, they ha as always, and I've, I've written this to you, Scott, everything is about the receivers Yeah, with Gruden. It was always about receivers. It was never about building a team inside out. It was never about rebuilding the defensive front. You know, I mean, so I, I don't know. I think the bigger issue is what's the plan? Right. What is What are we going to do? The, the, the godfather of the organization, the vision of the company, and I've said this repeatedly, the man who invented the Raiders believed in size and speed. That's what he believed in. There was a philosophy. You could argue with him. You could debate him. But he believed in size and speed. 
he believed that more than anything. He believed in offensive and defensive lines win games. And he put all his resources and speed on the outside. And so, like, they haven't had that. John believed in adding more receivers. Give me more, you know, let me sign Kenyon Drake. Why? What am I signing him for? <laughs> you know, yeah. I need a right guard. I need a right tackle. What am I signing Kenyon Drake for? Why am I paying him $8 million next year guaranteed? I think what they need more than anything is they need to go back to their identity. They yeah. need somebody who understands how to build a team through size and speed and how to build a team in the Raider tradition and how to build a team that that honors their founding father. Yeah, You know, if you would have turned in the card with Cleveland Farrell's name on it as the fourth pick of the draft when the guy never ran a 40, you would have never been able to come to the draft room. I mean, it violated everything he believed in as 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 a as a coach, hmm. as a as a general manager. Yeah, it's 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 interesting too, Michael, because I look at where they're at to your point about the roster, and you just mentioned plan. And I go back to 2018 and the first time we spoke on this show, and that's exactly what you said when I asked you about can Gruden come back and do it, and you said, well, it depends on if he has got a plan and if he can execute effectively against that plan, and we, we sort of know the answer now. Now, the final question I have for you before we let you go, thank you again for being with us, is um, this franchise, this job now, when you're looking at this situation, uh, I'm sure if you're a coach and you're looking for a head coaching position in the NFL, whether you're Eric Bieniemy, whether you're Brian Dable, whoever it may be, uh, you're looking at this situation. What's going to have to be in line before you say, hey, that's a good spot to go and I can go in there and build a team the right way? You know, I, I think it I think it, it really has got to come. You know, there's two things in in football. There's got to be a design and a production. And you've got to have the general manager and the coach on the same page on design so the production can come through. And, you know, and it's got to feel and you've got to hire a leader at the head coaching spot. You can't hire somebody who's going to decentralize the position and then have a coordinator who wants this and a defense coordinator who wants that. You know, the beautiful thing about the Raiders is that the Raiders always had a, an identity. Mm-hmm. They don't have one anymore. And I think it's going to take some time to get that back. And I think Mark has to understand that or else it'll never come back because Mark is the guy who's got to make the vision come true. Yep, you got to start with ownership. Michael Lombardi, you can follow him on Twitter at MLombardiNFL. As always, my friend, we appreciate you being here and appreciate your insight. Thank you, Scott. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. All right, Mo. Well, there you have it. I know Raider fans, some Raider fans are not big fans of Michael Lombardi because they think he doesn't like the Raiders, even though he worked there. There's all kinds of crazy stories that go around. But it's hard to argue with anything he said, Mo. Yeah, hard to argue. I mean, I have some quips about about the roster. I, I I do think the Raiders have some pieces to that roster where they can move forward, especially if they're, you know, whether they keep Carr or not at the, at the quarterback position. I do think there are parts that can keep this team moving for the future. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that, too. I think that there are. I think, you know, they, they, did, they did improve that defensive line. We've seen it work better. Is it long term? Is it a five, six year defensive line? Uh, no, because you have some veterans there and you have some age there and some guys that come in on shorter term contracts. Uh, but I do agree that there has been some improvement. But I think that the the aftermath, and this is why I said when I wrote up on VegasSportsToday.com this week, my piece was that fans uh, and observers should not expect this to settle down and to improve quickly. I think you're now in a state of flux. The improvements that you made, yes, you'll be able to capitalize on some of those, 
But also, Mo, you'll have the situation where you have a new coach, you might have new system, you might have all new coaches, coordinators, depending, you know, coaches aren't aren't necessarily retained when a new coach comes in. And then you have the question that you brought up on your piece on VegasSportsToday.com, where you talked about Mike Mayock. Mike Mayock now gets an in-season kind of uh, um, uh, audition to become the true GM longer term. And there's a lot of unknowns with that. Yeah, and I'm excited about that. And one thing that Mike Lombardi did say that I truly agree with is it starts with Mark Davis. And I think mm-hmm. with Mark Davis, if he is going to keep Mike Mayock and make uh, Mike Mayock is going to be the GM and finally have final say on, on everything that goes Raiders, it's important. It's very important that the Raiders pick the right coaches because we saw how how the defense didn't have life until Gus Bradley came along. And it right. had the defense right. had been playing better earlier, maybe the Raiders have would have made the playoffs in 2019 and 2020. So I think if Mike Malik is the GM, is the guy, he has to do his homework and he has to make the best decisions for his coaching staff. Now, I, I feel like I would keep Gus Bradley on staff as a defensive coordinator, but I know that doesn't usually happen when you bring in a new head coach who wants to bring in his staff, his guy. So I get that. But whoever he hires, and if Mike Mayock is the guy, the coaching staff is going to be very important because a lot of times we see these players move on from the Raiders and they do well under different coaching staffs, meaning the GM is making the right picks in the draft. The coaches have to just have the right system yeah. to succeed. Well, it goes back to development, which you said a couple weeks ago, right? And developing players. you got to get them in. you got to develop them. All right, Mo, we got a few seconds left here before we head out. And, yes, I know we devoted the show to, to rehashing what happened and, of course, uh, our tirade on Mark Davis's leadership earlier on. Uh, but Broncos and Raiders uh, Sunday in Denver, I think sort of a, a, a have to win. What do you think? I would say it's one of those. I wouldn't call it a must win, but you, like you said, it's got. I said gotta have a game. You don't want to lose three straight, but it's going to be rough, to, you know, because of what's going on. I think it's going to be a tough game for the Raiders on the road. Yeah, I think so too. I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say they're gonna rally and win it, but at the same time. I could see it going the other way. So we'll see where the Raiders are up mentally after the shock of what happened this week in uh, in Las Vegas with John Gruden. All right, uh, that's the end of the show. We appreciate you guys being with us. Being with us, make sure you check us out VegasSportsToday.com. Also follow Mo at Mo Moton M O E M O T O N. I am at L V Gully. All Raiders talk show Silver and Black tonight next Friday. Until then, keep your heads up, Raider Nation. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you for joining us. Please catch Silver and Black tonight, every Friday at 6 p.m. on the Mightier 1090 AM. SoCal Sports Talk.